Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. A 40-something genderqueer person shares their observations, life stories, and the adventures of their journey through transition and beyond. And now, here's your host, the creator of it all, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Hey, hello, hello, hello. How is everyone? Hello, welcome back. Episode 55. I'm so excited. But before we get into it, let's just dance to that music. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Gets me going every time. Every time. Uh, it's episode 55, and the band is Joyce B. and the Patreon Patron Band. Yeah, Joyce B's one of our newer patrons over at Patreon. I've talked about that in a lot of recent episodes, and I'll probably touch base on it later. You know, that's what I do around here. And I just wanted to give her a little shout-out, so thanks, Joyce. I appreciate it. Oh, this episode. Wow. Okay, so the title, you know, Transitioning Younger versus Transitioning Later in Life, kind of a, you know, an interesting, you know, okay, what's going to be said about it? We'll get to that. (laughs) I promise. I promise. Uh, We also have, we're continuing our... uh, 25 famous women share the best advice they've either given or received. We're on number five this episode. So we're moving right along there. If you've got another list or something you want me to go through, send me an email. Our secondary topic is kind of a two-parter this episode. I got a question from a listener, and I reflect on an article that I recently read. Of course, there's listener feedback because, you know, that's what I do around here. But before we get to all of that in this episode, let's briefly touch about the last, well, couple episodes. Uh... In episode 52, I don't know what happened with the audio quality. Uh, i got to check my export settings because uh, lots of ends of sentences got dropped, and I didn't notice that during the edit. So I'm so sorry because when I went back to do a, you know, a, a spot check, you might say, I noticed that it dropped the end of sentences. I'm like, that's not good. That's not how it came out when I edited it. So apologies out there. Uh, number 53. Well, <laughs> 53 was just a continuation of, uh, 52 actually, <laughs> which yeah, it's all, it all, it's all blended together there. And, uh, 54, the one year anniversary technically. Uh, and that's just because of how it worked out in the, uh, process of everything. I hope you enjoyed that little tangent there with uh, commemorating Groucho on his uh, uh, birthday there. I hope it didn't take too much away from the whole transgender aspect of the show. Got to break it up once in a while just to keep it light because life is too heavy. So we gotta, we have to keep ourselves happy and light and we need to break it up. If we don't, we're going to go insane, which I say every episode. So all past episodes can be found at Changes in Latitudes podcast over at blogspot.com. Uh, on that, we've got our Amazon affiliate link, and I thank everyone for purchasing through Amazon through our link. We got a little bit of kickback this last month, so I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, there's links to PayPal if you want to just give a flat donation. Uh, every episode has a link to our Patreon page, so you can go sign up for Patreon and give us a continued donation and help support the show and get some rewards in the end of it. Uh, we also have an iTunes link. We have a Stitcher radio app link. Uh, we've got our Facebook link. That's facebook.com slash changes in latitudes podcast. Uh, email. Send me an email. Changes in latitudes podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, please follow me on Twitter. It's fine. I don't have one for the show. If you don't know that by now, well, you're going to learn it. It's at Sabrina Miller 41. I, I kind of use it for just a bunch of different stuff, but then again, I don't really use it. Nah, so that's there. Uh, and as I mentioned just a moment ago, check out Patreon, patreon.com slash changes in latitudes podcast. 
The easiest way I can surmise it is it's like Kickstarter, it's like GoFundMe, except it's made for independent artists like myself who create a podcast weekly or people who put out video blogs or regular blogs or music or music videos or whatever the case may be. Everybody's got their own little groove. And that's what's beautiful about Patreon because you get to set your budget and and you get rewards for it. So check it out, patreon.com slash changes in latitudes podcast. This episode is brought to you by our newest patron, Caitlin G, who was our guest from episode 29 and 30. Caitlin, you know I messaged you about it, but here on the air, thank you so, so much for becoming a patron. And with that, why don't we just get moving right on into the main topic? Right, transitioning younger versus later in life. Uh, I mean, the obvious answer is that it's easier when you're younger. There's so many different things that you can benefit from just in the sense of having a younger body. You know, as you get older, you know, it's like it's like a car. After a while, you got to do certain repairs to it and you got to treat it right so it'll last you and all those things that we hear. And so, of course, transitioning younger in life, your body can handle it easier. It's just that's just science. So that's the obvious answer. But when you were young and I, and I mean, I'm not young, but I remember thinking I knew it all. It's just part of the growing up process. And so you're still trying to figure yourself out and figure out what life is. And yes, that can include just determining your gender identity, of course. But uh, if you've heard in my past episodes, you'll know that that was something I, I ran from. I was afraid of because of just the humiliation and ridicule and all that other wonderful stuff. So then you've got yourself trying to figure out life just as everybody does between the age of what? Uh, Arbitrarily throw out 15 and 25, right? Let's just throw those out there. A nice good 10 years on top of transgender. So not only just trying to find your way normally like everybody else, you're trying to find your gender identity. So in that, I don't think it's any easier when you're younger, if you've already got a way to figure out life, let's say, and then you figure out being transgender, eh, you got a little bit of a little bit of a cushion to understand how. Well, the thing with you getting older is there are less new experiences, and so you've got that edge of okay, well, I've kind of seen that before. I've seen how those things go before. You got that you know little edge about you. That's really what it is. Uh, so. So there's pluses and minuses uh, as far as uh, uh, the big one, HRT and you know medical transitions. Of course, a younger body is going to be easier. Of course. That, again, that's science. That's just science on how things affect the body and how, you know, and, and how in the case of a trans woman, how much testosterone has been pumping through your body from your birth or from, you know, your puberty. So you got that. And the younger you are, the less you have. So, you know, there's lots of reasons that are just kind of right in your face as to why it's beneficial to transition younger versus later in life. But being younger, you're still developing those, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The interactions and expectations of your life. Um, like I mentioned a moment ago, there's no, there's less new, brand new experiences. And I don't mean experiencing a new movie. No, I'm talking about the experience of going to the movie theater. That is not as new as it once was when you first went as a kid because it's you've been doing it for however long. You know, and in your 20s, you know, you're on dates or you're with friends or you see the big release for the summer or whatever it is. After seeing the big release for the summer for about five or six or seven summers, you get the gist of it. <laughs> you, you, you get the understanding of the big blockbuster of the summer. It's the same energy. It can differ depending upon the movie, but it's the same energy. It's the same hype that they use to, to uh, throw commercials out there and make us want to go see whatever these movies are. So there's less new experiences. So you have a better chance of, of understanding how you are going to react to wow, whatever is going to be thrown your way. Because chances are you've experienced or heard about it before the older that you are. The downside of transitioning the older that you are with the obvious, the obvious things, well, you got a lot of history to lose. You've got 
you know, job history, family history, and family history could be a lot of things. You talk about your immediate family, you know, spouse and children, things like that, or your parents and siblings, you know, there's different dynamics all across the country, well, all across the world for that matter. And so you, there's, there's more invested in that, uh, family unit, family history, you know, because, because of that. Um, and then there's, you know, loss of work. It can be harder to, for trans people to, to find accepting workplaces. I mean, that's changing, which is a wonderful thing, but it's still a challenge. And it's not necessarily a challenge with the HR department. The HR department's going to have your back because if they don't, they know there's going to be some lawyers knocking on the door. No, it's the other coworkers that, just like in school, make you feel uncomfortable, make you feel whatever, you know, it's okay, well, let's not be around those folks anymore. Uh, and you move on and you move away from them and you hang, you start hanging out with the people that you do like. Same thing. It's just, it's at work and you know, (laughs) that's just how that is. Unless you work alone in your own personal office and you don't deal with other office people or very little office people. Uh, of course there's loss of friends. Uh, uh, people have a hard time grasping, especially later in life, why a person would want to change their identity, why they want to view the world and be viewed in the world differently than what they have been for however long. In my case, 40 years. It, it, a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around that. And I mean, even, even when people are younger, they have a hard time wrapping around, wrapping their head around it. But as I mentioned, you're still trying to figure out life. So they're, they're oh, okay. Well, that's just that person figuring out their life. So conversely, on the other side, people think you've already figured out your life. They don't realize that you still are when you're older. And for those longtime binge listeners, you know from previous episodes that I had to wait until both of my parents had passed on before I could even start to embrace uh, my being transgender and gender queer now, gender fluid, you know, as, as we talked about into uh, episode 52, but just my individuality of it, my, my little nook, you know, my little corner of the transgender LGBT world, you know, it's, I, I was always drawn to the world, but I didn't know where I would fit in. And now I'm starting to see where I fit in, which is part of discovering yourself. But I had to wait till both my parents had passed before I could even accept it in myself. And, you know, in, in coming out later, it's something I've realized that it's been a constant battle all my life, constant, uh, I don't know, looking over the shoulder feeling of is, you know, does that person see the little girl inside me? Does that little, am I showing any signs? You know, is my transgender showing? (laughs) So, you know, it it, it was that fear. And I'll tell you that fear. I mean, as I said in one of my episodes, you know, just as FDR, we, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself. And wow, that's, that's so poignant because it's the, my own fear of what other people would think that kept me in the closet. And specifically, those other people I'm speaking of right now are my family. Because everybody wants acceptance from their family. Nobody wants to lose their family. It happens. Less today, I'm starting to notice from articles I'm reading and things like that, feedback I'm getting. But it's still there. There's, there's an outrageous amount of homeless transgender people, ranging from teens all the way up. And it's sad. It's just as sad as homeless veterans because they've, there's, there's no place really for them to go is what it makes them feel like. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, I mentioned briefly loss of family. You know, you've got people that are just not going to understand, but also people that have known you since you were in the womb. They touched your mother's belly for most people, you know, if you were adopted, obviously, take your own twist on this. But there are people in families that have touched your mother's belly before you came out of it. And they probably held you in that first month of life. So they've known you since before you were born. So changing your name and changing your identity is a hard thing for people like that to grasp. And I'm talking about, well, you got mother, father, grandfather, grandmother, siblings, if that's the case for you, you uh, great aunts and uncles. And everybody's got a little different family circle. But the closer the circle, the more they're going to be affected. 
And a lot of people don't like change. Uh, especially the older that you are, you become established in your ways. So they think that the older person has become established in their ways. So when they need to change, that's chaos and havoc. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, usually statistics show that that type of family doesn't really stay together. It's changing. I see that it's changing recently. I feel that it's changing recently, but it's still still new. It's still not the norm for, well, yeah, my spouse is changing their gender. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, everybody is still wrapping their heads around that. And and I say I know I've said this before. The ones who get the short end of the stick are the spouses. Both spouses on either side if you're a trans man or trans woman, the spouses. Because this is a person, you know, and I'm gonna a married spouse. This is a person who, when they said yes, I will marry you, or asked the question, they they figured they knew what eighty ninety percent of the person. So it's a blow to to them, and everybody works through it differently. But that group of individuals, the spouses, are the ones that I feel are not getting the help attention in the sense of getting help as they should there's not a lot of support groups there's uh the little bit i've searched online for them there's not a lot of open forums or or you know things like that so it's it's hard to find resources and other companions that are going through the same thing so there's there's one aspect of losing family and then you've got the parents. You know, the parents have brought this child into the world, and all of a sudden, it wants to express itself differently. I'm speaking specifically when the transgender person is older. Because the parents are, you know, older, obviously. And so they've figured they've got everything done with, with their child, raising their child and bringing their child up in this world. They figured, okay, well, we did a good job. We did a bad job. Not a half bad job. Mediocre job. Whatever the person thinks. And then all of a sudden the person changes their identity. It's, it's a mind fuck for some people. They just cannot wrap their heads around it. But the thing with, with life, and I mean life in the, the grand you know, view of things, we're always evolving. I mean, look at, the, look at the statistics of how many species die a year. Just by natural causes, they just die out. And I don't mean animal species. I mean all species, plant, animal, all of it. That's part of evolution. That's part of life. So we as people are also evolving. It's, we're just in the middle of it, so we don't really see it. it I mean, historians who have looked back you know, uh, on life, of course they can. Um, anthropologists, of, of course. So those people are probably the ones that are noticing the change before anybody else notices the change. So as much as people want things to remain the same, they're going to move and change. It's just how far that they move and change is the big, is the big thing, the big what if. Uh, also, some people will find it as a personal attack when, when somebody comes out as trans. So there's, so there's another aspect of losing family. And that can happen to any part of a family, a sibling or an in-law or an extended you know, aunt, uncle, cousin sort of deal. You know, where they, you see each other, but you don't see each other often enough. So there's a lot of reactions within the family. Um, think, of it, think of it this way. When a woman drastically cuts her hair from, from very long to incredibly short, it's a change that people need to get used to because they, they're so used to seeing this, the hair off this person's head, whether it's up in a bun or ponytail or something. It takes up you know, physical space. So people are used to seeing that space filled with hair. And now all of a sudden, it's gone. No more hair. Bye-bye. Every time, you know, people see that person with that brand new haircut, and I'm talking about a cute cut. I'm not talking about somebody took the scissors, hacked their hair off, and now looks like they're really in trouble. No, I don't mean that. I mean somebody went and said, I want a short hairdo. Every time anybody sees that person, anybody that's in the close circle, is going to be shocked. It's, oh, yeah, that's right. You cut your hair. And then probably, what, last couple days, maybe a week at most for some people. And then you got people that are, you know, outer circles. And if the person keeps their hair short for any length of time, 
the more people will see, oh, wow, hey, you cut your hair. Wow, I didn't expect that. It's still a shock. It's just not as much as of a shock. Uh, the same can be true for hair color. If you go from you know a natural to an extreme color and nobody's really expecting it, well, yeah, that's going to shock people. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. You changed your hair to blue or green or purple or you know, whatever it is. Uh, so it's, it's still a shock. And the same can be true going back. If you have your hair blue all the time and then all of a sudden you decided to go to a natural-looking, what, redhead? They're going to be shocked. <laughs> so so it's, it's that shock that, that people have to get over. And everybody reacts to different degrees. And everybody takes their time to accept whatever that change may be. Uh, another thing about coming out later, you lose a loss of yourself because... You're so, I don't want to say set in certain ways, you're so used to things, whatever that used to things means to, to you folks out there. Everybody's got their own little things. You know, they like to keep their toothbrush in a certain place. They like to keep their hairbrush somewhere. They, they like to keep, you know, a glass of water on the nightstand. Uh, you, you choose, your, choose your poison, okay? There's so many options out there for that. Uh, for me, it was, it was my voice. I mentioned this in episode 52. It's such a way for me to express my energy, my passion, my emotion, that when I was trying to bring it up and be feminine all the time, I lost part of that expression. And I tried to make it work. Of course I did. And it just, it put a strain on my voice. My, and speaking of voices, my, I got a little bit of a head cold right now. So that's why there's a little gravel throat going on. <laughs> but uh, I lost that range when I brought it up into the feminine side and hi, this is that. And it didn't feel right in the, in the long run. I knew in the beginning I just had to get used to it and work it through. And, and I did. And then it just it didn't, didn't fit right. You know, it's like when you put, first put on a pair of gloves and you're like, hey, these fit really nice. And you wear them for an hour or two or whatever. And you realize, hey, these are not as nice as I first thought, you know. Oh, well. So you take them off and you wear them whenever you can. That's how the voice for me kind of made me feel uh, that I lost part of part of my expression. And when I realized that I was limiting my range of, a, of emotion and expression is when I really started to reevaluate how I express my gender and my choice to transition fully or not. Other things we, we feel, the, you know, other things that we could lose as far as ourself is our own body expression. We're so used to just letting our bodies be. We're not used to holding them a certain way. We're not used to walking a certain way unless we think about it. We've developed our own ways to just walk and talk and stand. And now when you start to transition, you start to feel, oh, wait, I need to stand this way. Or you realize, hey, these pants, this skirt makes me need to stand a certain way. These shoes make me need to stand a certain way. And there's so many things out there. So you could, you got to change your sense of self. And in changing that, adjusting that, you can feel like you lose part of it. Uh, not that I'm saying that people need to conform to the feminine or the masculine. I'm not. Uh, you'll draw less attention to yourself usually, but that's your own personal choice. And also, when you're wear as a trans woman, when you're wearing a skirt or a dress and, you know, some heels, you don't want to be walking around like you're wearing a pair of jeans. It, no woman I know has done that. I mean, yeah, there are times, but I'm saying out in public. <laughs> you know, it's just the way that you do it when you wear clothes. And the, and the uh, same thing's true for guy clothes, for men's clothes. When you wear jeans and a T-shirt and tennis shoes or flip-flops, you know, or swim trunks or whatever, something casual, you're not going to walk or carry yourself the same way as you would when you're wearing a, you know, two-piece, three-piece suit. The vest is going to make you change your, how you stand. The coat is going to make your arms uh, move differently. The pants, if you're used to wearing jeans, dress pants, totally different feeling and, and, and movement to them. So, yeah, you're going to walk different whether you're thinking about it or not. And usually when you're wearing suits, you're wearing some dress shoes. Dress shoes are not like tennis shoes, so, of course, your walk is going to be slightly different. So it's not like you're purposely trying to change consciously. It's just going to happen. And if you've grown up, okay, well, sometimes we wear a suit, sometimes we wear jeans and a T-shirt. You already know, your subconscious already knows that you stand this way when you wear a suit, you know, because that's probably how you were told to stand when you were wearing it to a graduation or a wedding or funeral or you know, fill in the blank. 
And the same is true for dresses and women's jeans and pants and things like that. You're just taught that's how you do it in this article of clothing. Well, if you're switching genders, <laughs> you haven't been told, don't stand that way in a dress. <laughs> don't stand that way in a suit. So you st- you got to get used to it. And if you're so used to and comfortable wearing uh, a suit, let's say, because you wear it five days a week, 40 hours plus a week, going to a woman's business suit or a woman's business attire is going to be a little different. I mean, I'm not even talking about hormonal changes or, or medical changes. I'm talking about just the clothing themselves. So in that, a person could feel like they're losing themselves. Uh, Interacting into into society is also another way that you could lose yourself. You're so used to doing whatever it is, you you know, walking up and opening the door for the person that's, you know, right behind you or coming out or whatever. And then all of a sudden, people are opening the door for you. You don't get the chance to open the door. Somebody's already beating you to it, as an example. So there's a different way to interact in society. For me, and this is me speaking as being, you know, a, a woman, trans woman out in the world, and I'm, that's why I brought up the door opening thing, is because that's the first thing I noticed. People started opening the door before I got to it. And it would happen when I was a guy, yes, of course, because people are nice like that. I just noticed it more. It was... It was interesting, very interesting. Uh, people offer, offer to carry things that quote-unquote look heavy, or if there's a lot of something, like groceries, they always ask if you want to you know, help out to the car. And at first I was like, well, why don't you ask the guys? Because I'd never heard them ask any of the guys that were in line uh, shopping. Except I did one time. So I'm like, okay, they do ask everybody that has a large load of groceries or bags or whatever it is. Um, Another thing I noticed was just more compliments in general, more casual conversation. How is your day? Oh, the weather's this. Oh, that's blah, blah, blah. You know, that sort of small talk happened more frequently. Uh, Usually with store clerks is where I noticed it. Uh, And and, and just, I don't want to say strangers, but, you know, general other patrons of the stores that I go to. and it just it was a different it was a general pleasantness from people when they were interacting with me. It was cool. Uh, the downsides of uh, from you know the last year and change of being a trans woman or not being a trans woman but presenting female most of the time was a sense of loss of independence when people think you can't do things on your own. I mean, such as opening the door. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's a nice thing to do, but it doesn't have to depend upon the, the gender of the person. So it was, it was a sense of, no, no, I can handle carrying these bags to the car. Thank you very much. Versus, or thank you for opening the door, whatever it is. You know, it was just a sense of, wow, okay, thank you. I could have done that, but thank you. And, and I realized, and this is right before I came out as genderqueer, I realized it's because women in general are idolized and also fetishized, depending on how a person is looking at a particular woman and it can be ranging from so many different aspects some guys have an idealism of marriage or you know a wife or you know spouse or whatever the case may be that it it it's all it's archaic and it just doesn't work well that's a form of fetishizing because you know people are their own people nowadays <laughs> you can do damn near anything you want so that was that's my experience. Now let's just take it the take a look at the facts from transitioning now to transitioning in my youth. If I had chosen to transition in my youth, um, had I figured myself out and chosen to transition in my early twenties, when the thought first came to my mind, here's just a short list. It's a very short list of some of the differences between now and then, all right? So now, there's tons more resources. If I was 20 years old now, tons of resources. First and foremost, the internet, okay? (laughs) Then you got TV shows like uh, Orange is the New Black and Transparent and things like that. Then you got movies, tons of movies. I can't name any right now because I I just don't, don't have that in my head. But it leads me to more visibility. Transgender is in the news at least three times a week whether it's the print news or the nightly news. It's there in some fashion or another. So there's more visibility on te- television. There's more visibility just in the Internet alone. There's more LGBT centers. Uh, there's, there's more openly trans people. More openly trans people. Yes, I am transgender. Thank you very much. How can I help you? 
so there's more acceptance in general than there was 23 years ago. Uh, the medical profession, you know, the doctors and therapists and surgeons and endocrinologists, they have a greater understanding now of what it means to be transgender. Plus the term, the medical term, the medical diagnosis has completely changed. Uh, now, which I'm sure most of my listeners are aware of, gender identity dysphoria, or just gender gender dysphoria. It, it's kind of melding back and forth, I've noticed. Uh, so that's now. And that's just a dysphoria. That's a feeling of unease. Well, back, back 20 years ago, it was gender identity disorder, which made it a mental disorder, which means you had, you know, a mental disease, a mental disorder wrong with you. So your medical record was tainted. Oh, that person's not playing with a full deck is how some would see that. So there's a big change right there. Um, also, doctors and, and, and such have a better understanding of how hormones work. Plus, there's new hormones out there than there used to be. I mean, they've been refining that for the last 20-something years, and there still are. Uh, surgeries have had a lot more. Uh, the, more surgeries have been done, so there's more feedback and input and understanding of how surgeries, top, bottom, face, all of it, are. So if I had transitioned then, which would put us in, you know, the early 90s, mid-90s rather, there's no internet. I mean, it just was starting, but it was the AOL communities and the prodigy communities, so it wasn't as resourceful. You know, it was more community talking. And like I say at the end of every show, make sure you know what the source is that's giving you information before you act on that information. And back then it was just a bunch of people, well, kind of doing what I'm doing, except in the form of, you know, written blogs and things, because YouTube wasn't around. Uh, Very little resources for LGB. Most of the centers hadn't adopted the T yet. It was starting, but they hadn't adopted it. Uh, The closest information available on the surface when anyone went looking for answers still is the same today. Well, not maybe today, but it was still is the same as it was just a few years ago. The adult sites, the pornography sites. And it's just, it gives such a deviant sort of connotation to, to the thought of wanting to switch your gender. That for me, at least was, was so embarrassing and so humiliating that I never wanted to, to even accept it or try it or look into it even more because of, well, and it's not, I don't want to walk that path. So I'm not going to look now you've got a, a grand, well, back then there was no grand spectrum of terms. As I've said many times, you've got your transgender umbrella, and then underneath it, you've got the gender queer umbrella, and then under that, you've got gender fluid. So you've got a vast area of words and play and shades of gray. Well, as I've said also before, back then, you were either a cross-dresser, a transvestite, or a transsexual. And there, I mean, there might be other options, but those were the big ones. And I know I've mentioned that. I I saw myself as more of this cross-dresser, so that's where I kind of tried to stay happy and didn't quite uh, work out, obviously. Uh, And and, and if you were a transsexual, that means your goal was to go stealth and blend in, and nobody will know except your doctors. That was the goal. That's not so much the goal anymore. Uh, if you didn't fit any of those categories, then you, you, or didn't feel like you fit into any of those categories, then you had to go back to square one to figure out answers. So that means going back to the library. It's not a lot of resources in the actual library back then, not, not in the normal community library. Probably the libraries in the bigger cities had more resources, of course. Probably some more resources on the uh, college campus libraries. Of course, that's always been the case. At the same time, there was very little reference for the medical community because the information wasn't there yet. And it was a disorder. It was a mental illness. So why would people care? That's a psychology thing. Yes, endocrinologists and other doctors and surgeons need to be involved, but it starts with therapy. So it was, it was considered a mental illness. And there's something else a lot of people didn't want to accept. Well, no, I'm not crazy. I'm not sick in the head. I just like to wear women's clothes and interact with society as a woman. Well, to some, that may sound crazy. To, to people like myself and a lot of the listeners out there, no, it's not crazy. It's just how we are. 
Now, had I transitioned in my 20s, I would have gone to college or my second half of college as a woman. And because of that, I, I got a feeling that my whole college experience would have been completely different. And not for the obvious reason, you know, going as a boy, going as a girl, going as a man, going as a woman. Yes, that's an obvious difference. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just how I would interact and be with society. I don't even know if I would have traveled the dramatic arts realm. I mean, deep inside, I'm pretty sure I would have. But back then, because whole stealth is your is your goal and a number of factors, I think there's a chance I may not have, at least to the degree that I did, maybe I would have gone to something behind the scenes instead of in front of you know, the, the, the audience. Uh, I, I can't really answer for sure, but uh, this is just my reflection on that. So I, I really don't know where it would have played itself out. And I also don't know if I would have eventually, in my you know process, decided to come out as gender queer, gender fluid, gender queer, or transgender fluid, or no, what about the transgender queer fluid? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if that would have been an option because it, that wasn't as well known as transsexualism, you know, which now falls under transgender, was back then. So there's a lot that has happened in 20 years. And, you know, maybe I discovered this gender fluid, gender queer aspect of myself because I did spend 40 years as a guy trying to fit in, trying to be what I thought I needed to be, what I thought I should be, what I thought other people think I should be. I mean, it's a whole big, big mind fuck. If you haven't figured that out by now, listening to my show. So because I had established myself for that long in my male persona, of course I missed parts of it because I developed it. And right now, I love the fact that I can, you know, wake up in the morning and dress and look like a guy. Or maybe a little masculine woman, because I've gotten that. I've tried dressing as a guy. Hair's pulled back, you know, guy shirt, guy pants. And I still, excuse me, miss. So <laughs> it's like, okay, well, that's how you see me. Totally cool by me. Uh, and then and then at the same time, I could get all dressed up and look look feminine, you know, female clothes, breast forms, bra, all that skirts, dress, whatever the case, hair done, makeup, earrings. Well, I wear earrings as a guy sometimes, too, so that doesn't matter. But more feminine earrings, we'll say. So so that, I think being older is what helped me grasp onto that. And it, it's just a big what if. So the biggest change and difference between, you know, then, 23 years ago, and now, the resources, the internet, the openly trans people that are telling their story. Like I've said a number of times in the show, I put this show together because this is what I was looking for 20 years ago. And I, I, there's aspects of my guy self that I love, just as there are many aspects of my woman self, we'll say, that I love. So, you know, could it be that it, be, it happened because I transitioned older? Could it be because the time has changed in that amount of time? I don't know. That's something to ponder. And while you're pondering that, let's listen to a word from our sponsor. When you need a professional who specializes in writing, photography, or web design, contact Tom Slayton. At Tom's website, TomSlayton.com, you'll find brilliant WordPress themes, discounts and links for fantastic online services, and sage wisdom from the master himself, Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com even features a wonderful eclectic collection of photographs seldom seen elsewhere. Visit TomSlayton.com. That's T-O-M-S-L-A-T-I-N.com. Ah, thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, if you haven't checked out TomSlayton.com, give it a, give it a, give it a whirl, we'll say. Uh, so I've mentioned this before. This the photos that he posts are just eye-catching is the best way I can say it. I, I went to his website, and I just randomly pulled it, pulled it up and went, oh, what is this? Because the title was Mr. Toad. I'm like, hmm, what is this? So I pull it up, and it's this big-ass toad sitting on a rock. It's a night shot, so there's a flash, so it's kind of washed out, but not as washed out as you would think by a flash in the dark. So excellent photography there, Tom. Thank you very much. Uh, but this toad has this look of what? 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 Do you, what? I'm resting. What? I'm waiting for something to eat. 
So <laughs> I'd like to hear the story of that, Tom. But this is this is a cool photo. So check out his photography. This, if you want to take a look at this toad I'm talking about, TomSlayton.com forward slash Mr. Toad. Check it out. Yes, 25 famous women share the best advice they've either given or received. We're on number five this week. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes for this. It's an AOL.com article from The Cut. At least that's the link that I have. Uh, and this one is from Susan Sarandon. If you don't know who Susan Sarandon is, then you might be living under a rock. Uh, she's she's just amazing. Uh, a simple quick pull-up on IMDb. She has 130 titles. So, yeah, go figure her out. Go find her out if you don't know who she is. Uh, biggest claim to fame that everybody should know, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Damn it, Janet. That's her. The next one would be uh, Thelma and Louise with Gina Davis. So another two, two awesome, great films. So if you don't know who she is, go check her out. She's, she's pretty awesome. Uh, this is what she had to say. You can always forgive yourself or apologize for things you do. But you can't ever work through the things you wish you'd done and you didn't. Pretty powerful words. Uh, the short answer that I got when I first read this was no regrets. Just do it. Live. Do it. No regrets. Uh, having no regrets is easier said than done because of our own self-inflicted fears, which leads to another thing. Have no fear. Have no fears. As I, as I mentioned before, fear is a big thing in, in people's lives. So, have no fear. Uh, oh, <laughs> this one, of course, comes to mind. Nike's slogan, just do it. Eh, makes sense. If you, you can always apologize for it, but you can't not <laughs> try to do it if you didn't. For me, it's hard because I personally don't want to step on anybody's toes or hurt anyone. And, and, and you know, it, it happens inevitably. It's, it's stuff like that's just going to happen. And strangely, I usually end up hurting the person accidentally or, you know, indirectly, uh, not intentionally. And it's funny that I guess I just need to do it. Just need to do it. So there we go. Number five. Hey, I'm always looking for something to take this list over once we get through the next 20. So send it to me, changes in latitudes podcast at gmail.com. into the second topic second topic this this is a question from listener jamie w uh why is there a huge separation between trans women of color and trans women not of color well why is there a difference between people of color and people not of color it's it's the way society is it's the class situation um it sucks i don't like it um Ultimately, I can't really answer the question. Uh, we're all the same. You know, you cut somebody, they're going to bleed red. It's just how it is. But it's because of our fucked up history for the last, you know, couple hundred years that we have, we in America, I mean, have such a slanted view on people and individualism and the concept of equality. Um, perhaps it's due to the, to the simple sense of internal segregation, you know, like people will draw themselves together, you know, just, just as they did in New York, you know, at the turn from the 1800s and early 1900s, all the Irish lived in the same part of town. All the Italians lived in another part of town, all the Polish and, and that European area lived in another area. You know, it's just, they worked together they 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 found a common thread and they brought over whatever they brought over from their own families and their countries and whatever it is and so they perpetuated it through history because you know everybody has that cranky old grandfather they used to complain about the whatever you know archie bunker sort of type of person so i think it's because of the internal segregation that people bring on to themselves and others because of their upbringing and cultural differences and cultural influences too Perhaps it's the fact that most low-income families are of color. And that sucks, but that could be something. I mean, on top of being trans, as we all know, is expensive. But 
forget the trans thing. People of color, you know, usually low-income families. Not not always. I'm I'm speaking as a general thing. When you do a census and you notice, hey, well, all these low-income families happen to be people of color. And let me specify now. When I say people of color, I mean if your if your skin is not you know the Anglo-Saxon white. That's that's my definition of people of color. So you've got all walks of life. You've got you've got Asian. You've got Pacific Islander. You've got black you've got italian you've got latin america uh, the the cuba the jamaica i mean anybody that doesn't have the anglo-saxon white skin is a person of color that's what i mean because that seems to be the segregation and it sucks i do not like it so you have that and on top of it you add being transgender so yeah, it's a double whammy in a situation like that. I mean, it's obvious that Caitlyn Jenner has planned out her transition, lined up her ducks, and has been planning it for, I'm going to guess, at least five years, if not longer, uh, to figure out how she's going to come out publicly, how she's going to do the medical transitions, how she's going to present herself, you know, along with all the stuff that she's all, that he did when, you know, before he came out, uh, you know, with, with, well, all of it. Look at his look at uh, her history now. So, so he was lining up all his ducks long before coming out, and it's not as easy for for the average person, obviously. So, because not everybody has the resources that an Olympic star or and you know reality show person has. And she realizes that, by the way, uh, from things I've read, things I've seen, she realizes that she is the exception and i think she's trying to make it better for for everyone else but that's besides the point uh i don't like the fact that people are treated differently it's hard because of that whole neighborhood thing it happens everywhere i I believe and to break that cycle to break that that segregation that self-inflicted segregation to to be colorblind as it would be is is we got a ways to go we as a as a globe we've got a ways to go and it's i i think we're going to see something worse before it does get better it's just a sense i have it's a feeling i have but you know i can't say either way it's just just a thought and I do see some more resources coming to the low-income families. It's coming. It's just not there yet. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, but ultimately, you know what we need to work on? The whole equality thing, you know, where when people say all people are created equal, that they mean all people created equal, period. End of story. That's going to be, uh, you know, uh fascinating transition and the second part of second topic uh, is uh, something i saw on huffington post it was uh it was published on the 18th of september uh by the writer micah who's a non-binary writer and the title is don't dismiss me for being genderqueer genderqueer is a trend Genderqueer people are just playing dress-up. These myths are commonplace, perpetuated by misinformation in mainstream media, whispers in support groups, rants in online forums, and jerks in the comments. They are the norm of what genderqueer represents in people's minds. I've read one too many articles, especially by transgender people, claiming that those who are genderqueer do not experience the same troubles as trans men and trans women. So I want to set the record straight. Some genderqueer people are playing dress-up. Some genderqueer people are young, young enough to be swayed by their peers, by what they think is cool. And right now, genderqueer is kind of cool. Some genderqueer people claim this label purely as means to rebel against gender roles, gender stereotypes, gender expressions. Some genderqueer people do not experience discrimination or rejection or violence, but not all. In fact, I'd argue that most gender queer people do not fall into this more vocal, more visible group. The majority of gender queer people are not doing it because it's cool. They're not teenagers. They're not playing dress up. They are not a trend. They are simply gender queer. 
because they feel that the two options offered, male and female, are not enough for them to truly live. They are simply trying to figure out how to be themselves in a world that does not acknowledge anything outside these two rigid categories. They experience social dysphoria from hearing a heavy gendered name or a pronoun that essentially announces their genitals to everyone within earshot. They battle pasts fraught with fighting against what was expected of them without words to protect them otherwise. They experience physical dysphoria about their body parts. They undergo expensive medical treatments to align the image in the mirror with the one that's in their minds. They jump through legal hoops to correct what they feel is a marker that doesn't represent them. Even if the results doesn't reflect who they are, it's better than nothing. Doctors tell them they aren't trans enough to transition. Family tells them that they aren't trans enough to call them by a different pronoun. Trans brothers and sisters tell them they aren't trans enough to warrant support, services, acknowledgement, a community of solidarity within the transgender umbrella. Genderqueer people are transgender. Genderqueer people experience discrimination, rejection, violence. Genderqueer people are not playing dress-up. Yet even the slice of young folk who are crossing gender lines solely in a way they dress, in their haircuts and makeup and accessories, are an integral part of the genderqueer community. For the first time in modern history, people feel a sense of freedom. We've created a space safe enough where they can explore gender by being visible in their exploration and vocal in their pushing. They, ha they expand that freedom to others. This type of scrutiny over gender axioms is the sort of shakedown society needs. All of us are helping tear down notions of what gender looks like, what gender should be, what gender really is. Some genderqueer people may just be having a good time, being the cool kids for once, or they may not yet fully understand their gender identity, trans or not. And the freedom to explore gender outwardly is a critical step towards that discovery. Our communities have developed in such a way that genderqueer exists simultaneously as an expression and as an identity, except only one of these representations evokes a dictionary lookup in people's minds. Once genderqueer is pigeonholed as simply outward appearance, genderqueer the identity is being dismissed for everyone. Both concepts are important, yet present intersecting challenges based on the singular needs of each. Free expression, support for transition, the validity of self-identity, the difficulty in trying to nail down a specific vocabulary lies in that most of these terms have different meanings depending on who you ask, partly because they are so new, partly because we only have a handful of words to describe infinitely individualized notions of gender. It may take a few years before these words coalesce into a shared definition, before genderqueer refers to a gender identity, a deep-rooted sense of self, on par with man or woman, rather than dismissed as a teenage trend. In the meantime, I'm careful not to refute someone's experience based on what they look like on the outside. I'm careful to grant them this freedom to explore and figure things out about themselves, a freedom most of us regretfully never received as youth, and many others never will. My hope in educating trans folk and their families, their friends, their allies, their doctors, their teachers, and dog walkers and hairstylists about genderqueer identities is to expand the framework with which everyone thinks about gender. I suggest going to uh, changesinlatitudes.blogspot.com. It's going to be in the show notes there for episode 55. I'll, I'm sure I've already posted it on the Facebook page. I will post it again when this episode airs. So, so it, look for it there. It is a great article. And the I, I, reason I wanted to bring it up is because since I came out as genderqueer, a lot, not a lot, but I've gotten some feedback, you know, hey, you're not really trans. Well, guess what? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because as I said, transgender is the big umbrella, genderqueer is underneath that umbrella, and gender fluid is underneath that. It's time for listener feedback. Uh -huh. Real quick and easy on this one. All right, first listener feedback is actually just my response to uh, longtime listeners uh, and supporters, Becky B and Candace T. Uh, they both enjoyed episode 52. They let me know. Uh, they both shook it off. 
and both teared up a little bit during listener feedback. So thank you so much for that feedback, folks. I, you know I love that you listen and you give me that feedback. I appreciate it. Next listener feedback is actually my response to uh, an email I got after episode 53. Uh, it, was, it was one person who's an, a loyal listener, binge listener, who's messaged me before. I'm not naming names. You'll know who you are. Who was really taken back by my coming out as genderqueer. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why. I, I believe they you know, thought, thought differently of how I presented my show and my gender and my, my journey, you might say. And, and I, I think they just identified with me being an older trans woman with family and all that. And it, uh, the, letter, the letter actually made me cry because... Uh, not because it hurt me, but because it made me feel so... I felt the pressure that that individual feels. The the pressure from their family and friends. And you feel so trapped within your own self. And I mentioned earlier in the main topic that there's a big fear factor. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that That is accompanied with being trans, at least for a lot of folks I speak to. We're afraid to show anybody our side in fear of getting hurt. We're afraid to talk about it in fear of getting rejected. We're afraid to show it to anybody in fears of being ridiculed or humiliated or a number of different reasons. So even though, you know, because I heard it for the last probably 15 years, if nothing else, just be yourself. And... Trying to figure out who yourself is is one of the hardest things I think anybody can do. And I don't know if we ever do, really. But in trying to find yourself, there's going to be fears that you face. And so I, I just... I, the, the pressure and the fear that's out there for this individual listener, I'm, I'm on your side, darling. I am. And I hope you understood that from my email response that uh, what I can say here is remind everybody that everyone goes on their own journey, especially when somebody comes out as transgender. Everybody has their own transition. Everybody has their own journey that they go through. And, you know, sometimes that brings people together. Sometimes it pulls them apart. Sometimes it creates different social circles. It's so vast. But keep in mind that everybody goes through it. A different journey, a different transition. Holy cow, we made it. We're at the end. Yay! Hey, hey, we did it. Hot dog. I'm excited about that. Hey, all right. Next episode, I'm going to call it Slang Terms and Slanders uh, because I think we need to address that. Uh, it's something that hasn't been spoken yet during the show, so we're going to attra- we're going to talk about it. I'm always looking for topics. I'm always looking for something to take that countdown list area. Send them to me, changes in latitudes podcast at gmail.com. And now, as Jimmy Buffett says, if I couldn't laugh, I just would go insane. If we couldn't laugh, we just would go insane. If we weren't all crazy, we would go insane Hmm. stay crazy everyone catch you next week you've been listening to changes in latitudes a transgender experience I'd love to hear from you So let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash changesinlatitudespodcast or at the website changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now wait for it. Here it comes. 
Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer I am not a doctor nor a lawyer, and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life, so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, first, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the internet. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2015 by me, Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening. Once upon a time there was an engineer. Choo-choo Charlie was his name we hear. He had an engine and he sure had fun. He used good and plenty candy to make his train run. Charlie says, love my good and plenty. Charlie says, really rings the bell. Charlie says, love my good and plenty. Don't know any other candy that I love so well. Is this the end? Yes, it is. And always remember.